Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the 505 Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. We have an absolutely jam-packed episode for you all today. We have one of our good friends on the pod, and he is one of the most talented creatives I think that I've ever met. He's a designer. He's a photographer. He's a videographer, a creative director. I don't even have enough hands to keep going to count all the things that our good friend Babin is good at. But Babin, welcome to the show. Pleasure to have you, my friend. I'm you glad left to out be here. Huh? You left out extremely good looking, extremely handsome, Appreciate and it. we are going to test out though right off the bat, coming out of the gate. Oh, we're coming in hot, coming in super hot. So you guys probably need to go watch the podcast yeah. instead of just listening to this one because you guys know that I'm probably the best one-handed opener in all the land. And today we're going to put Babin to the test by he's going to do a little one-hand crack on the pod. Okay, warm up the hands. I'm nervous. I know, I know. It's got to be one hand. It has to be off the table. Otherwise, it doesn't count. Oh, man. So you have to lift it up one smooth, just... <clears throat> yep. Okay. Holy shit. That was amazing. <laughs> I'm going to give it a 9.6. Dude, I don't think I've ever oh, seen... I don't think I've ever seen it that good. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I'm like... <laughs> what if I've just been practicing he's, he's, for months? He's been in his room just like... Dude, I can't even just open 40 one. cans a day. That was just, so that, impressive. I can't believe you just did that. Oh, wow. That was that's, that, that's how you know it's going to be a great pod. Yeah. That was amazing. Well, also, just to really go out of the gates strong, what are your thoughts on Nikon? Oh, that's a good opening <laughs> question. Yeah, what do we think? Um... All right, so we're just trying to get canceled right out of the game. Yeah, dude. Let him have it, Babin bro. has like a 300 people that just unfollow him tomorrow. They're yeah. like, fuck this guy. Hey, look, I think, you know, all cameras are cameras, whether you're shooting on an iPhone, a Canon, a Sony, Panasonic, you name it. Oh. Just, you know, and if you want to sit at the bottom of that, there we go. Come on. If you just want to make shitty videos and take shitty photos. He's an icon. Dude, I'm so happy that you're here. I mean, really, we've been... I called you last week just to say what's up, and I'm really happy that you came back to LA. Why, why are you... What are you in town for? Tell us a little bit about it. Um, so I'm on tour, finishing the tour with, mm. with Hassan Minhaj, um, and we have like our last week on the West Coast, mm. and we're kind of doing all the like suburbs of the big cities. Um, so we're floating around, and we just have a list of other like ancillary projects that are always running. And so I'm here a few days early to just take care of some meetings and like sign off on some creative things. And then Hassan will be here in a few days. We'll shoot the shows, do all that stuff before we head back to New York. So you're here for two weeks. Yeah. Around about two weeks. Got to pop out to Vegas for a day. Like just sort of using LA as like the home base for two weeks and I'll bounce around. Uh, we were talking about how I wish I was also in Vegas when you were in Vegas. Cause then you guys so come to the show. Uh, it would be so funny. Cause also like, I love Hassan to death, but whenever I always imagined going on tour, which like I, it had been a dream to go on tour forever, but I yeah. always thought it was going to be like a rapper or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm, I'm on tour with a Muslim comedian <laughs> who like makes jokes about uh, medical bills and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it's kind of a, a funny thing that we, we just work a lot. We don't like party or do anything, uh, anything crazy. Uh, yeah. So it'd be funny to like see your world and then have you like see mine and the, the probably a little different. A little yeah. different. We were texting Chase for like, yo, you have any specific questions for our good buddy Babin? He was like, I would just like you guys to talk about the difference of like being on tour with a comedian <laughs> versus yeah. DJs. Yeah. <laughs> what time do your shows typically start? Uh, so we do two shows a night. Okay. Uh, the first one's at seven and the late show at 10. Nice. Um, and then, but you know, we have like a whole stage that comes yeah. with us. So uh, the show, the King's Jester that we're on tour with right now, it's like a full on stage production. So there's a semi truck that like drives to every single show, unloads these screens and the stage that, that Hassan stands on during the performance. So, you know, we'll wrap up shows close to like 11 or midnight, pack everything back into the truck. We're usually rolling out close to close to 2, 3 a.m., somewhere like that. Nice. Yeah. At least you're getting normal sleep, it sounds like. Our good friend Kostas here doesn't sleep at all. Or are you getting or are you not getting sleep? You gave me a look. I feel like I get more sleep than, than mm -hmm. Costas gets, but uh, it's still I don't think there's any tour life that is going to give you like good sleep. Balance, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, your your second show starts at 10. Um, we're usually getting to dinner around 10 Oof. and then the show starts at about one. OK. And Costas is a man that likes his sleep. He really <laughs> likes his sleep. Dude, this has been it's been it's been rough. Costas comes but home and, and his Monday 
Yeah, your Monday. What time are you waking up on that Monday? You're a little tired on that Monday. 11, noon. <laughs> just, I, I need like... You got to catch up. Do you get back in and you're just yeah. exhausted? Yeah. What, what's the like performance schedule? Is it like just two or three days a week or like... It's not every night, right? Like No, 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 no. They're, so they're not on tour. They just have shows on the weekends. They were telling me, I think they're going to be going on tour come like beginning of 2023. Mm-hmm. Either end of this year or beginning of 2023. And that's probably going to be like a three or four week tour. So that'll be like not nearly every, closer to every day, but like not, I don't think every day. Last tour they did, they did like one leg of the, they did a three month long tour and one part of it was like 28 days and 28 shows just like back to back crazy but um right now it's typically like one or two shows a weekend um that i shoot for them but i just got my dates actually today and my there's a stretch in june where it's like a five or six day stretch of like everyday shows Mm. i go into the weekends now being like i'm not gonna get much sleep and like knowing that you're going into that weekend being like all right, I'm not gonna get much sleep. It's kind of like you prep for it, and you're yeah. you're more like. Do, do you have to? It. Do you have to be like real time uh, doing post also? Like, are you like shooting, dumping cards that night, going straight into no, editing, or no, like no, no, you no. have a little flexibility? I have a little bit of flexibility. Okay. They don't like to post on the weekends, anyways. So yeah. they typically just post on social Monday through Friday. So like, if I'm shooting Friday and Saturday, I have like Sunday to kind of like chill, and then I can turn it around like early Monday morning. Like probably edit like Sunday night. Once I've like taken a nap and I've gotten back yeah. into, into town. And, That's yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. We both became, you know, kind of aware of your content through a guy named Gary V. Mm-hmm. So that's where we kind of first were introduced to Babin being behind the camera. And then we met you. Ironically, me and Brayden first met each other. Well, sorry. No, we didn't actually mm-hmm. meet each other. But the first time we really like bonded, bonded was in Joshua Tree. And that's where we met you. Yeah. So we thought it was like oh, ironic. Really? Yeah, yeah, it was funny sick. that we got to like, you yeah. know, hang out and like we shot and I loved to crash drones. I was crashing my drone like 77 times while meeting you the first time. <laughs> that was an iconic day. Yeah, babe, babe, <laughs> I don't know if you see the the uh, the headphone of the FPV drone up there. Yeah. It has antennas on it this okay. time. Yeah. You're not I, supposed I, to I've have heard those are important. No. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Can you maybe share a little bit of your experience? seeing Braden fly his FPV drone for the first time? I mean, it was just like the greatest. I, I was in Joshua Tree for a couple of days shooting for like a whole other brand. And uh, it hit these guys up and was like, hey, just come out. And like, I don't have a plan for the day. Let's just see what happens. Within, I don't know, 20 minutes of you guys showing up, there's an FPV in the air. And you're just just hysterically zero, screaming. Zero, zero to 100. Yeah, it, it really like escalated No quickly. simulator time. Uh, no simulator time, no antennas, just no preparation at all. Brain's like, I'm really going to try to impress our buddy Babin over here and show him what's really good with this FPV. And then just... I'm super good at it now. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go back out. We got to recreate yeah, the whole day. We need to make another trip yeah. so I can show you how we've been practicing. Yeah. We gotten, we've gotten decent at it now. Chase will come too. Chase, it's so funny hearing Chase talk about how Braden flies an FPV because Chase is like, yeah, you're supposed to like set the camera at a specific degree so that it can't go too fast. And, like, and Braden's like, shut the fuck yeah, up. Like, give me a controller. <laughs> Just buzzing by him. Dude, did you ever hear about how I lost one with him like the first week I met Chase? I feel like I may have heard the story. Like it, like, it was the middle of the night or something. Yeah, and you dude, were, like, it literally I through the woods. crashed it on the side of a mountain. And I was like, <laughs> this is like the first, this is like literally right after we had met you, crashed on the side of a mountain and Chase, like we had met each other for like a few days. I was like, we got to go get that drone. He goes, dude, are you serious? I was like, dude, we're gonna, I, I, it's like $2,000. We got to go get the drone. And he marched with me down a mountain and we came out. We looked like we got attacked by like a leopard. But we made it out and we found that drone. He he found the drone. Chase found it. I yeah. knew where I crashed. It was like mm-hmm. probably like, 180 yards maybe 200 yards down the mountain and we got it and then we had to like hike all the way back up does the fpv have like gps yeah but but it it fucking hit it and then the bat it just disintegrated it like (laughs) just crashing like four pieces there's like chunks of it like around this tree and we found it though we made it back up but But shout out to chase he's uh he went back home for a wedding and then he has like he's on a work trip but we miss you buddy and we wish you were here (laughs) um but anyways so going back to this so we both discovered you through gary v Mm -hmm. Which I feel like a good amount of people discovered you kind of like through that. Um, But take us through like, what was it, what were you doing before working for Vayner? And then like, what ultimately led you to apply for that job? Like, what was the application process like? And then ultimately getting that job? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I I started getting really serious about photography, like 
my senior year of high school. So whenever I got my first, like, got the Canon T3i and started that whole summer after senior year, um, I was just like living at the beach with my friends and we were just taking pictures every single day. Um, and I was, was like, there yeah. Was there something that sparked that initial inspiration that like made you want to pick up a camera and kind of pursue that? Well, I had always had cameras around because I was really into magic whenever I was like really young and I would like make these videos. There was this whole like dark web community of people that were really into shuffling cards. It's called Cardistry now and it's like a little bit more like well-known. It's in like Bond films and shit like that. Um and so I would like film myself making these like flourishing cardistry montages and put those on YouTube. They still exist. Like if you search Tyler Babin Magic, you'll find my <laughs> my Everybody first YouTube look. channel. Yeah. Um, and so that's how I started playing around with cameras and just started getting really interested in them. And then as I started getting older, I was like, oh, this is actually I'm having more fun making the videos than even like what I'm making the videos about. Um, and so then it started transitioning into like actually just shooting like portraits of my friends and things like that. I had this, this sort of weird opportunity when I was like, right when I turned 18, there was this company called creative live. It was founded by Chase Jarvis, who was a big like photography hero of mine. Um, and they would do these like online workshops. It was before Skillshare was a thing. And so it was basically like Skillshare, but that it, they did it live in person and just broadcasted it real time. These like workshops and classes. And so there was this guy, uh, Matthew Jordan Smith, who is a fashion photographer. He shot you know tons of covers of Vogue. And um, he was like the photographer that, that discovered Zendaya. And like just, oh, wow. yeah. And so he was doing a course on a, on this creative live platform and they were looking for six people to fly out and actually like be in person while the workshop happened to learn. Yeah. Okay. And, and so I, I made a video like basically saying why I wanted to do it and they picked me. And so when I was 18, like right when I turned 18, I flew to Seattle and got to spend like three days working with this like upper echelon fashion photographer. And so I left there being like, I'm going to be a fashion photographer. And he was like, you got to move to New York. That's where it's going to, where the work's going to get done. And so my whole life, basically when I left that from 18 to 21, it was like, I just wanted to become the best fashion photographer I could. It was all I cared about. So I would do photo shoots every single day. And then I just started applying to every internship I could find. And I dropped out of college. Like I have no degree. And so like no agencies or companies would get back to me. It was just rejection, 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 rejection. And then Vayner hit me up and was like, can you be here in two weeks? And I said, yeah. And it was for a graphic design job. And so I, I moved to New York on like two weeks notice to ultimately be a fashion photographer because that's what I thought I was going to do. Vayner was just going to be like the door that got me there. And then the day I got to New York, I was walking across the Brooklyn Bridge, like looking out at the city. I was just like, I don't give a fuck about fashion. <laughs> I was like, I, I remember just looking around being like, what have I done? Like it was all built on this moment of like, I was going to be a fashion photographer and shoot portraits in New York. And then I got here and realized I didn't like it. And so everything had to basically start from scratch. Wow. I'm in just utter shock. What like... You said Vayner hit you up. Had you applied? Yeah. So I, I had applied for an internship, like a graphic design internship and didn't get called back at all. So I actually think what happened is they filled all the roles and then someone backed out last minute and they needed to like slot someone else in because they hit me up at like 10 o'clock at night. I just get a call from this recruiter wow. and she was like, yeah, we, we love everything you put together. Can you be here in two weeks? And I was 21. I barely had any money. I knew no one in New York. I had no like connections or anything. So I like went to Facebook and I just put up a status. Does anyone know anyone that lives in New York? And like a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend knew someone who had a room in Brooklyn that was double. The rent was double what I was making a month as my internship role. So I was just bleeding money for my, my two and a half month internship. Damn. And this um, is with the internship was just two and a half months. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was two and a half months to start with. And then, but I went in being like, I will have a full-time job mm. at the end of this. Um, and then one day I randomly got an email and it was like, thanks for all your hard work. We don't have a job for you. Your last day is Friday. I was like sick. Uh, and so I just like sent it and I emailed Gary because all the employees had Gary's email. Mm. And I said, look, like I, I was an intern. I really just want to meet you. Can I like on my last day, can I have a few minutes to say what's up? And then this all light leads to this, um, this kind of like, famous uh uber meeting that gary and i ended up having he was running late they just threw me in a cab with him and i don't know what happened because originally i was just going to be like yo i'm a big fan thanks so much for the opportunity i was just like i should work for you <laughs> and he was like all right let's unpack that a little bit uh -huh. and basically he he gave me like an assignment he's like i want you to make some designs for me he's like go look at my instagram make stuff for your own uh 
that you think I should post and email it to me. And the next day was going to be my last day. He kicked me out on 57th Street. I ran straight into a Starbucks. Um, I got onto the server, uh, downloaded everything I could find with his face on it, like designed six pictures, emailed them. And then the next day I was on his team. That's awesome. That is yeah. insane. Yeah. And so when you first get the role, right? Because like, I'm very curious. Oh, the thing that was crazy huh. on the first day with his team, I was told I was being hired on as a graphic designer. Day one, I walked in, they handed me a, a hard drive of videos and they were like, start cutting. And did you know how to cut videos? Barely. Wow. I hadn't done it in years since I'd been making magic videos. Like photo and design were like, we're just the was, bread that and was everything. And so not only was I, I basically, so they extended me. They said, you have one month on Team Gary to prove yourself. I hear it too. Our dishwasher's going off. Should we break it? <laughs> gotta have clean yeah, dishes. Yeah, we gotta have clean. Yeah, it's gotta be quiet. Yeah, so over, basically over that first month, I would... I was going super hard. So I was like the very first one in the office. I was the last one out. Like I refused to let anyone come or leave before I did. And then I'd go home and I'd watch Premiere Pro tutorials all night long. Yeah. And like sleep for an hour and then be the first one back in the office again. On that no sleep grind, dude. Oh my God. It was was so much better whenever I was younger. I remember like now I have a couple nights where I get like four hours and I'm like dying. Yeah, yeah. And I, I always think back and I'm like, yo, I used to just like destroy myself. And be totally fine. What was your caffeine of choice? Uh, it was always sugar-free Red Bull. Jesus. <laughs> but, when did you switch to White Monster? So I'll, I'll go back and forth. Okay. But like you were a big influence on, on the white can. There we go. That's Not only like that, but I can't open a can of anything without thinking about this. <laughs> you're like your one hand challenge shit. I love that. So the branding runs deep, bro. It's <laughs> amazing. Wait, so Babbitt, you get, you know, you're working your ass off, like staying up all night, trying to learn all these tutorials in Premiere. On Team Gary, what is like a, a deliverable thing? You know, what does that kind of look like? Because, you know, it, Say at the Lakers or whatever, loud luxury. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I know what I'm going to produce today. Mm-hmm. You know what you're going to produce. Like, yeah. how does that work? Are you coming up with an idea, meeting with the team in the morning for a morning meeting and being like, oh, uh, you know, I have this idea. Like, let's run this. Or is is a writer, an art director, like coming up with all this content? And they're like, Babin, we need you to push this out this week. Like, how does that actually work for yeah. deliverables on Team Gary? It was actually like during my whole tenure there, everyone was very siloed. Um, we all kind of came up with our own ideas, executed them and sent them out uh, on our own. We didn't, like there wasn't an art director or someone who was like mm-hmm. sort of guiding the decisions we were making. Sometimes we would like be able to collaborate and things like that. But uh, just a couple of days ago, I was I was in uh, San Francisco with one of my friends, Caleb, who I worked on Team Gary with. And we were, we were just like out having drinks one night and we were reminiscing about our time. And remember that it used to be like a competition. So like everyone worked individually because whoever's video got posted, like you won that day. And so every day, like everyone would just text Gary everything they had made, whether it was photos or videos and whatever he posted was like, you won, you won the day. So he's CD of like the whole thing. He's like, basically, yeah, that is insane. But he doesn't actually direct. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like he gets 20 pieces of content sent to his phone every morning. He looks at everything, thinks about what uh, he can resonate with and write a good caption to go along with it. And then it gets sent out. It has changed a little bit. There is a lot more structure and system now um, from what I've heard. And like, I still have a lot of friends that are on the team. Um, but during my time there, it was, it was kind of reckless. Like we were all just like throwing gorilla, shit gorilla content warfare. Yeah. That is so cool. And yeah. what year was that? Just to uh, set so some context. I, I started on his team in 2016. Okay, cool. And how big, how big was his brand? Like at that time, was he had, it? He had 300k on IG when I started and he's wow. got 10 million. Now. Yeah, he's at 10 million now. Yeah. That is freaking crazy. So how, like walk me through the process of going from focusing on graphic design to like then being his videographer. Yeah. So, I mean, like it kind of, you know, it, it's joking, like the way you opened up the podcast, but like my LinkedIn's a little fucking gnarly of like all the different skill sets I've had to develop over like the last six or seven years. Um, so he really just threw me into the deep end with with uh, editing and I was editing the vlogs and Daily V and all that pretty regularly. And then there was one day that um, the the sort of main videographer like couldn't film for a couple days. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm a photographer, like I'm sure it'll it'll translate over. And so they let me uh, run with Gary around the world for a couple days with a camera. Um, and it actually ended up just turning out really well. Like 
being able to know what I had shot going into the edit, like my videos got significantly better. And it was just, it allowed us to create at a higher level. So it wasn't like the same person having to film every single day. It, it allowed us to get a little bit more of a rhythm and understand uh, different types of like storytelling styles and all of that. But my, my job with Gary especially I personally never really knew what was coming from it because some days I would be filming and then sometimes he would hit me up and be like, we need a book cover designed. And so like I would design the book cover and like that would go out and then I would be back in video. And then whenever his, all the collaborations with K-Swiss were happening, I went and I photographed the K-Swiss campaign. So it was always like different things. I never really knew what any day was going to bring. You started off like traditionally as like a photographer, right? Designer. They throw you to edit. You're not going to say, I don't really know how to edit videos. Like, I'm yeah. really a photographer. You're going to be like, all right, like, I'm going to fucking figure this yeah. shit out. Yeah. And same with, like, when they handed you, like, a video camera, you didn't say, hey, I'm, I'm only a photographer. You're like, all right, I can probably figure this out. So, like, if given an opportunity, even if you're not, even if that's not your bread and butter, like, just say yes and like figure it yeah. out on the yeah. fly. And hit a base yeah. hit. We talk about that yeah. all the time. Talk to me about, like, what it means to be a creative and be like water in that situation, right? Like literally not, not saying no and being like, yeah, I'm going to figure this out. Cause yeah. I'm assuming we've all been in situations like that. And I think that's what separates people that don't end up getting up to bat and don't hit a base hit and don't go mm -hmm. along on that journey. And they're like, no, sorry, I can't, I can't do photo and video. I'm just a photographer or whatever, you know, yeah. talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, like my back was up against the wall in like a bad way because the intern my main internship had ended i was i was given this one month internship with gary i still was like not making any money and in my mind i was like if this doesn't work i gotta pack up everything and walk away from it and i had like worked so hard to be able to move to new york and like get the get a, just a little bit of momentum rolling the idea of like having to pack everything up and like move back in with my parents and go back to florida just sounded like the worst thing possible so my whole mindset was like, I will do anything. <laughs> I will work harder. I will learn everything I can. I will like be relentless and unstoppable to not have to go through that. Um, and so because that was my, my option, it was either learn how to do all these new things or have to like fail and walk away from something. That is what I think gave me the, the passion to do all the sleepless nights and to like learn all these new things. Do you feel like that forced you to be even more creative and like think outside the box that like you're like i gotta fucking figure something out and like mm. like pressure creates diamonds in a yeah. sense I, I do think like pressure does create diamonds but it made me treat creativity a little bit more mechanical which i think mm. is something that's really important is like having organization and systems in place to be able to execute forever right it's like the idea that like amateur artists wait until they're inspired and then professionals like get up and they go to work and at the end of the day i like if i walk into you know hassan or whatever and i'm like i'm just not inspired today he's gonna be like get the fucking video done you know what yeah. i mean and so i think you yeah it's always just relentlessly pushing forward and for me like making things more mechanical so that i can be creative and can be an artist but there are kind of these like guardrails that keep me moving down a forward path is uh is really important for me Braden talks about that all the time. It's like the importance of having a process of how you go about creating. Yeah. It allows you to have just like the basis of which to create upon. And then like once the creativity kind of starts hitting, then I think, it's, it's, like, the, I think yeah. it's the whole thing. I think that's what separates the pros from the rookies. It's like rookies show up to a shoot and they don't have a process and therefore they're not able to create the best things and they get home and they're like, uh, yeah, I didn't get that shot that I was supposed to get. And pros go with a plan and they mm -hmm. have a process, they execute it. it. Dude, it's just like, it's like a, it's like a sport. It's systematic. You can, and like you said, creativity does come to you at random times, but it's so important to be able to have, I have a system. I have a process. We're going to follow the process. The process works. We win from the process. That's yeah. the way I look at yeah. it at least. And to me, I think there's, there's so many decisions we're making that are like cluttering your mind mm -hmm. from like actual quality ideas. Meaning like, do you have template project folders set up? Do you have uh, just like files organized, like top to bottom? Is your camera bag organized when you're showing up? Like, do you have a shot list? Are you, are you scripting? Do you like, you know, going with a plan, like you're saying, all of those things can clutter your mind and you'll just like miss telling stories and like focusing on the core things that actually matter. And so anytime I'm find myself doing a repetitive thing, whether it's, uh, you know, setting up my project file, for example, like I'm like, how can I streamline this so that I never have to set up a project file from scratch again? It's just there. Mm -hmm. I copy and paste it. I start my new project and I'm good. Like that section of my brain is clear for like more productive ideas now. 
I'm smiling because I specifically remember in Joshua Tree, you organizing your footage or like pulling up your hard drive. And I go, you're so fucking organized. Yeah. <laughs> like it is to like, yeah. it's actually insane how organized your hard drive is. And I need to take notes because... I try to stay organized, but sometimes I'm not. I saw the your best desktop at it. when yeah, you were setting dude. up, and I was like, "You know what? <laughs> Yikes. Okay, Harden's like ah, anxiety." There's a couple things. Okay, so just got back to coach from Coachella. Okay, I'm still recovering, and I think that there's three things. Okay, the way your room looks, the way your car, how uh-huh. clean it is, and your desktop are a direct reflection of how your life uh-huh. is going at that moment. And mine's a little jumbled right now. Okay, still recovering from Coachella, and it's all good. But yeah, man, um, that's hilarious. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about how much you were able to create for yourself while you were like creating creating so much content for Vayner yeah. um, at that time that you're working. Like, w- did you have time to make YouTube videos? Did you have time to like go out on the weekends and shoot for Instagram? Or like, what was your creating for fun or for yourself yeah. versus creating for Vayner? Yeah, I mean, I think... I think how it played out in Vayner is how it's played out a lot. I think anyone who follows me on the internet knows, like, I oftentimes, we were joking about it when I walked in, I'll go through bursts where I have, you know, an opportunity or downtime in the schedule, and I'll go super hard on creating for myself. But I also have the the um, the double-edged sword of, like, I got a lot of clients and a lot of work that is that I don't talk about. I mean, there's a lot of projects that are, like, NDAs. Like, I literally can't even mention what I'm working on. And so I, I try to find those opportunities, but they're very limited. Um, it was really limited at Vayner. It's, you know, this uh, season of my life is, is super limited, um, but it's something that I, I'm always collecting ideas. I never stop uh, collecting and curating ideas. So like I've got Google Sheets and notebooks and all that with the next 20, 50, 100 ideas and videos that I want to make. So anytime that I do have downtime, I can go to that list and immediately kind of like jump off. I don't have to like sit back and think about ideas and look at trends and all that. I'll just be like, okay, this is the next thing I want to make for like the sake of the art. Um, So that's what I try and do. But right now is like, it's, it's kind of a bummer because I have no time. Mm -hmm. So you're, you know, you work at Vayner for how many years? Um, three and a half. Okay. Okay. So when I saw one of, when I really liked, you know, really was like, fuck. I really like this Babbin guy's work. Was the video that you made where you're like, like leaving Vayner, leaving my dream job. Mm-hmm. Okay. You get a job at the, or not a job, but I want you to talk about this opportunity that arises with the Adobe Creative Residency. Yep. That opportunity arises. You're in a full-time job that's stable. You were an intern. You work your way up. Now you're working on this team, the Team Gary team. What's going through your mind when you're in this like inflection point of like, Ooh, do I go do this or do I stay at this stability, you know, the stable job that I have that's guaranteed, I have guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. What's going through your mind and what yeah. eventually what what actually makes you take the decision to go right instead of staying at the job? And not to mention not only is it a stable job, it's a job that yeah. millions of kids would yeah. kill, mm-hmm. would die yeah, to have. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was the biggest that exact reason was the hardest thing that took me to actually step away from it. And it was a piece of advice from Gary. And it was like one of my favorite things he ever said is that like, especially in your 20s, you need to go the most high risk that you possibly can. He's like, throw everything against the wall, because if it all goes to shit, you're still really young and you can still win. And that really goes for like 20s and even 30s. I mean, you can like you can fuck up a lot of stuff. And so he's like, yeah, dude, in your 70s, bro, <laughs> like, I risk you got fucking time, baby. <laughs> yeah, patience, patience, gratitude, humility and patience. Get after it. I'm and, a huge Gary Vee fan, by the way, for those listening. <laughs> I think we all are. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, so I was all whenever other opportunities started coming up, if they were really high value, I was like, what what would Gary say, essentially? And so that sort of addressed the walking away from like the stability thing. And it was funny because anyone who like, so the Adobe, the creative residency that Adobe does, um, I'll give like the amended version. Essentially, Adobe pays you for a year to kind of just do whatever you want. Um, that's not at all how my year played out. It changed a lot, uh, sort of mid midway through. I ended up speaking a lot for Adobe and just sort of was like traveling and like doing this like speaking circuit. Um, and then I'd get home and was like exhausted from speaking. So and then I was also trying to do this documentary series. But um, we can actually chat more about that because it's how I got the job with Hassan. But when I was kind of uh, debating as to, you know, should I do it? Should I not do it? I was thinking about the thing that Gary always said, which is like, you know, be really, really reckless. And I was like, okay, this 
residencies only a year. So at the end of a year, I am kicked out of the job. No more money. I was like, what? Like, bro, what could happen? What if a year from now the world's completely different? My residency ended March of 2020. So (laughs) literally I was kicked out of the residency uh, like two weeks after the world started shutting down, which was pretty terrifying. Um, Let that pass. Sick. That guy's got a huge dick. I'm going to miss having that with that, with the electric situation we're going with. God. Oh, yeah. Your Tesla? God, I'm going to miss fucking revving down Wilshire Boulevard letting just everybody rev- know. When, dude, yeah. When someone's not going in a red light, you just give them a room and they're yeah. like, oh, fuck. All right. This guy's, this guy's got a got fucking a podcast. Oh, <laughs> that is B. Thicky from the 505 pod. Man. Oh, the creative residency. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. It um, ended. It ended. March yeah, ended, yeah. So literally, I know it ended right at like uh, right when everything was getting crazy, and I was living in Manhattan at the time, so it was like, I mean, we were like scared to open the door. It yeah. was I mean, it was it was weird, but kind of leaning into that, you know, high risk, high reward. Um, I was able to transition immediately into just like a full time YouTuber, um, like right in in the middle of that, and so I was able to just make videos at home and uh, got through that that chapter. Did you have other clients while you were doing the Adobe creative residency? So they said it was really strict that when you were doing the residency, you couldn't do any side work. Um, A lot of people didn't uh, follow that rule, but I did. I was like, I am going to dedicate myself fully into this moment. And so everyone that reached out, all the clients, all the brands that want to do integrations, I was like, I can't do anything right now, but... In, in March, I'll, I'll be a free man. Let's go. And so that actually ended up paying off really well because the residency ended. And luckily, I had this list of like 15 clients that were like, we want to go right now. Um, and so it was it was a pretty natural transition. But no, I, I fully leaned into the residency uh, for that year. And were you allowed to make like was the point of the residency to really push your personal brand hard or was that it was that not part of like you know what i mean were you trying or was it like yeah. oh hey babin please make you know as much youtube and instagram content as possible like what did that look like that was definitely a part of it um but luckily i think so ever a lot of people at adobe wanted that they just wanted me to like crank out as much stuff as possible and they wanted me to crank out stuff that was related to the brand so it was a lot of like tutorials and things like that but luckily julia who's like the manager mentor of like the entire thing she was like just dedicate this year to your craft they're like just become like experiment try things and because so many you know going from like college dropout straight into working at Vayner I didn't have a lot of time to experiment and like find myself like as an artist as a person which actually ended up kind of creating this like existential crisis like right when the residency started Um, especially because that first video kind of took off and went from a YouTube channel with zero to like 20k overnight and was terrified to actually like put anything out it became like um, like paralysis of decision making of like what direction to take things. And so I tried to just experiment as much as I could of that year and network and get to know people. And luckily that's all paid off. Like even though the year actually played out significantly different than what I had planned going into it, um, it's exactly what it needed to be because it's what has made uh, this next chapter of my life and career possible. Can you talk a little bit about having a video go viral on youtube because going viral on youtube is harder than any other yeah you know platform in my opinion yeah definitely and i think a lot of times i even have had a few videos like pop off on tiktok and then in my head i'm like fuck i gotta follow this up with like a banger type of thing yeah so is that something you were dealing with like yo this video got like almost i think it's almost at like what five hundred thousand views like I got like have putting that pressure on yourself of like, I got to follow this up and then I got to follow it up again yeah. and again and again. Yeah. Well, that's what like fucked up the entire plan is because when I left Gary, I was like, for the most part, people only knew me at that time from Gary. So I was like, I got easily six months until anyone cares about me. And then that first video popped. I have no idea why it did. There's like, there weren't, there weren't hashtags. It was just like, I literally made it put it up and was like no like it's gonna get 12 views i was like no one's gonna see it and then it was like day one it got 12 views and then it got like a hundred thousand views the next day oh my so did you wake up and your phone you were like yeah Whoa, like my phone was just going crazy 
Oh my god! That's and nuts. You know the thing that like fucked me up though. Uh-huh. I, it, the YouTube channel was so little. I had my email notifications that every time someone That's subscribed, so YouTube emailed me a different email of like this person yeah, subscribed, subscribe. this person. And I remember waking up the next day and it was just like it never stopped scrolling. That's crazy. And I was like, "That's terrifying." Oh and so god. immediately I. My plan of like, all right, I get to just like experiment and play around for the next year and no one's going to care about me, like went out the fucking window immediately. And I tried so hard to just give people what they want. The problem with that, and it's sort of something I talk about so much is like, you got to just like be super insular and like do your own passions is I was like, everyone's following me from like the Gary world. So do they just want me to talk about entrepreneurship and motivation and crypto and like all this stuff? And so I tried to find this like, weird path through all of that stuff and none of it worked and it's because i wasn't passionate about talking about it i wanted to make these artistic like vlog cinematic stories no one cared about that stuff and so i kind of abandoned so much of what i actually wanted to do to just try and give the people what they want because this channel was like growing really quickly and i I didn't know what i was like i'm gonna fuck it all up you know what i mean now it's funny because i've taken a significant amount Uh, amount of time away from YouTube and that was strategically I knew I didn't want to post YouTube videos anymore whenever I left when I started doing the the work with Hassan I was like I'm gonna take some serious time away from this platform and I don't even know if I want to go back to that channel like I might just start a different channel and just be like fuck this like let me just go down a new path Mm. um because I think one I care significantly less about like numbers and followers and all that stuff now I'm just like I just want to be the best creator Mm. I possibly can I love that. I think that's so we were literally talking before the pod because right now I'm putting out a TikTok like damn near every day and it's low key killing me to wake up and it it, like actually stresses me the fuck out. Like seriously, it does. Like I wake up and I'm like, okay, there's something that has to go up. And I have a list, just like you said, Mm -hmm. of like a thousand different TikTok ideas. And I wake up and it like genuinely makes me anxious to be like holy shit i ha- it's five and the needs to go up by like 7 30 or yeah. this is just a waste of my day yeah. and you do a bunch of other work all day long and you're like holy shit super busy with the lakers super busy with making things for myself and i'm like how how am i going to actually create something that's compelling and then and then you post it and it the numbers like don't matter right but they sort of do in a sense but yeah. they don't but like you you know what i mean and mm-hmm. it's like you post and you're like that's sick 10 views that's great we'll come back tomorrow and you just get punched in the mouth and you're like all right let's run it back tomorrow and then if you don't post for two weeks and the damn algorithm just destroys you and it's like you're in this like never ending hamster wheel of trying to please the audience trying to make things that are you're passionate about and trying to like find a find your creative style like something that actually means something to you it is such an interesting it's such an interesting path to go down i'm really glad that you like just started to talk about that yeah something that's like really kind of reset me lately Mm. sometimes and i'm sure we're all fans of of mr casey neistat like he really impacted like my wanting to be a filmmaker and all that same Every now and then, whenever I get into one of those cycles where I'm like, I got to give the people what they want. I got to do this. I got to do that. Just go to Casey's YouTube channel, sort by oldest, and look at the first like 100 videos he put up. They're the most weird, obscure, make no fucking sense whatsoever. And yes, he had to make a lot of videos before they started working. But that, I think, is a great example of like, just make exactly what you want to make, whether or not it's paying you, whether or not it's going to grow a channel or a brand or any of that shit. Just like make something you care about. And then what what happened? Like he popped and he's one of the most, I mean, he he expanded beyond YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. He's just like a mainstream person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, two things regarding that. One, if you're interested in something, guaranteed there's at least one other person yeah, in the world that is interested in that same thing. Yeah. And that's like lowballing it by a long mm-hmm. shot. Yeah. Um, two, the latest video that Casey just posted was so nostalgic. I it was like it. just oh, a God. fucking classic Casey <laughs> vlog. And I'm like, let's go. Oh, are we back in 2016, bro? Bring back the vlog. Let's go. Um, I did want to ask, though, because you don't have to get into, like, numbers. Mm-hmm. I'm just, like, curious when they when Adobe is, like, we're going to fund your life for a year. Do they give you a salary or, mm-hmm. like, like, are they paying you every month? Are you saying, hey, I need this amount of money to, like, execute on this project that I want? Like, 
kind of what are like a little bit of those like the yeah. details of like how that actually works. Yeah. So you, you actually just become an employee of Adobe for a oh. year. So you get a salary like every two weeks I would get paid. I got health benefits, like everything just went straight through Adobe. Gotcha. Um, that was a really cool thing. And it's, it's, a, it's changed a little bit. It's not as loose. There's a little bit more like structure and format to the residency now. Um, but at the, at the time, like whenever I was doing it, it literally signed up and then they were just like, cool, we'll see you in a year. You know, like I would have check-ins and I would like talk with lots of people at Adobe, but for the most part, you were just on your own to figure it out. How would you say that your style evolved over that time? Cause you said you were speaking a lot. Yeah. Are you making a ton of personal stuff during that year? You, you are. Uh, I was, I was doing, I was filming a lot of stuff. Um, but I would, I would travel a lot, do these speaking engagements, film things. I was working on this series 24 hours with, which was like this documentary series. It's like my baby. Um, and, but I would a lot of times like get home and I would just be fried. And I was also just stretching myself really thin. I ended up like just canning a number of those episodes. Cause I just didn't think they were like doing what I wanted them to do. Um, and so, yeah, that's how my year changed a lot is I just ended up doing a lot more with Adobe and for Adobe than just like Babin work. Um, but yeah, I was still filming and, and doing a lot. Talk to me a little bit about after the creative residency ends, pandemic hits, you turn into yeah. a full-time YouTuber. Yeah. You're creating this docu-series and I'm pretty sure that's how Hassan found you, right? Yeah. Through one of those videos. Can yeah. you talk us through a little bit of like, okay, residency ends, full-time YouTuber yeah. getting to Hassan? Yeah, for sure. So that was my initial plan getting out of the residency is that I was going to make 24 hours with my full-time job. I had a brand signed on to essentially sponsor the entire first season and I was just going to like make it a 12 part series and like really flesh it out. And that was going to be my job. And then it got fucked because I, I couldn't be around people. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I just went into being a, a full time YouTuber. And that was really cool because, you know, we live in we're in this this place in the world where everyone's like it's a million followers or bust like nothing else matters. If you're not if you're not at a million, why even bother? And it was really cool for me because I learned like you can actually make a really incredible full time living with like 30,000 followers, like 30,000 people that care about you and like you're you're golden, like you can like cruise. And that's like such a fun thing to learn because I think so many people like want to do what we're mm -hmm. doing and they're like, you got to have so many eyeballs on you. And I'm like, you really don't. You just got to have like deeper engagement in the mm -hmm. community. You got to have, thousands. Yeah, you gotta have yeah. squad. And I think that, yeah, you got to have squad. <laughs> you got to have squad. You got to have <laughs> squad all <laughs> deep. Yeah. <laughs> But I think that goes back to like what you were saying about make shit that you're fucking passionate about because like if you're just making things that you think people are going to like, that community is not going to run deep. But the mm -hmm. people that have the biggest, strongest communities are the people that like make shit that they're passionate about. And then people really resonate with that because it's super authentic to themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but 24 hours with was kind of like the, it was the next evolution of like what I had done with Gary. I was like, I just want to spend... Uh, you know, a full day with someone. And it, a lot of times it ended up being more than a day. It was like two or three days. Um, and try and like give this really honest real-time portrait of someone's life. And it was focused around like um, creative entrepreneurs, basically. And one of the first episodes I did was on this guy, Jeff Staple, who's uh, a clothing designer from New York. He runs a brand called Staple Pigeon. Um, they're like most well-known for uh, a Nike dunk that they did like years ago that caused this like big riot. It's one of like the most expensive shoes still retailing today. The gray and orange ones. Yeah. With the pigeon yeah. on the side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I think they also have a gray and red one, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they've made a lot of versions gotcha. of that now, cool. but yeah, there is the, the orange and gray one was like the iconic, like one that, that changed everything. Yeah. He also runs a creative agency and, um, he's sort of, I try not to look at many creative people and I'm like, I want to be what they are. Cause like, I want to go into my own lane completely, but he's one of the people who I'm like, if I could do something like him, that would be great. And he also has a very like kind of quiet millionaire aesthetic where it's like, he's not, flashy he's not like the most famous person he can live mm -hmm. a normal life mm -hmm. but is still basically has creative agency to do whatever he wants i thought you said you don't give a fuck about fashion <laughs> <laughs> he does a little bit that's that's a little bit that's like i gotta be swag a little bit with some shoes come on that been swagged out he walked in in his new flannel he was feeling hot let's go baby come on um and so, yeah, I, I slid into his DMs and I like recorded a video, which is like the hack. Record a one minute video to anyone you want to like actually there get to. Mm -hmm. DM them because it, it just breaks everything. No one knows how to like talk to people. So that's a good way to do it. 
And I was like, look, do you mind if I, if I just come essentially follow you around for a day with a camera? It's just me. And he called me and he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm open to the idea. And I, I told him, I was like, it's with Adobe. Like, it's going to be a whole thing. He's like, you should spend like three days with me because there's different aspects of my life. And he uh, just like texted me to his address and I like showed up early one morning and he walked out and he's like, it's just you. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I thought you were going to have a crew. And I was just like there with my EOSR and I was like, nah, it's just me. And he's like, all right, well, this is our car. And then, so I pretty much thought that he had like written me off in that moment. Mm-hmm. He was just like, why did I sign up to have this kid just fucking follow me around for three days? Um, but we ended up developing a good like friendship. And by the end of day three, like we like filmed a lot of really cool moments, did the edit. He really loved it. He gave me this incredible compliment that like the interview I shot with him, he felt was like the most, uh, most honest, like real look at his life in that moment. And so that meant a lot because he was just had a big impact on me. Um, and then flash forward a couple of years, Jeff and Hassan can uh, collaborate on a sneaker together for Cole Haan. And as uh, as Hassan's doing his like deep dive, figuring out who this Jeff Staple guy is, if you search Jeff Staple, my video is the first one that comes up. Oh, that's and so that's how Hassan actually had gotten introduced to my work formally. We had known each other a little bit from like Vayner. He had popped in and out. Um, and but ultimately, Hassan found the 24 hours with Jeff Staple I was like, oh, I really like this style. And then he reached out, um, you know, a couple of years after it was made and was like, hey, I'm going on tour. Do you want to come? Was the Jeff Staple 24 hours with the first episode of that series that you did? Uh, I think it was like the second or third episode. Cool. Yeah. But it was funny because it also showed me sometimes you just got to like go for the big swings out of the gate because I wanted to end with him. I was like, I'm going to build the series out. And then maybe I'll be able to ask him like towards the end of, of the residency year once I have a body of work. And I don't know why, like he just, I guess, saw something in me and he said yes. Like whenever I basically had nothing to show him, I was just like, here's the, here's what I'm going to do. Can't show you any examples. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. So you do, you know, Hassan finds your work. You meet with him. You're doing at that time though, right? You were, correct me if I'm wrong, consulting, correct? Mm-hmm. You are working doing YouTube, right? Yep. And then are you also doing branded stuff? Are you, you know, doing like partnerships and that type of thing? Yep. Okay. So Hassan approaches you, mm-hmm. tells you about potentially going on tour with him. Are you, yeah. are you like, oh my God, I, I basically have to put this on hold. Your YouTube career, all that yeah. stuff that's going on to go and work with him. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about the decision to go do that. And were you, how, how did you, you know, work with all this stuff on the side? Yeah. While going on tour with him, how did you manage all of that? How did you put that on hold and, yeah. you know, basically turn right again yeah. and go now on tour with one of the biggest comedians? I also didn't know about him until we went to your show. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of this guy now. Me and yeah. Chase were really excited because me and Chase both knew him and had seen the first special. Yeah. And we were like, Brayden, you're going to love this guy. Yeah, he's like yeah. hilarious. My humor. But he's like, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was like, I was I was rolling like the whole time. I was dying laughing. But it's serious it was, at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's literally, it's a huge story. Okay. It really is. I mean, it's, it's so fun. Like, so, you know, we're recording this. What month is it? Is it still April? It's yeah, April, we're in April, right? right? Yeah, April, April, April so we're, we're two and a half months away from shooting the Netflix special. Um, and it, it is just like, it's one of the most unique shows. There's nothing, it's not a comedy show. No. Like, yeah. it's just not. But it is yeah. at the same time. So um, it's been really like an honor just to like be a part of it and like watch his craft uh, coming up with it. Um, but yeah, it, you know, when that happened things were pretty much rolling. Like the business on paper was good. I was actually wildly unfulfilled though. Like creatively, I was doing all this work. I really wasn't enjoying making YouTube videos. I was just doing it because I felt like this pressure too. Um, And so when he called, I was actually like, you know what? I think this is the universe telling me you should take a right right now and Mm -hmm. and just kind of break the patterns of everything you're doing. And so um, immediately, like I I took the role uh, whenever he offered and I, I did. I pressed pause on everything for, you know, the better half of a year now. It's almost a year since we started working together. Um, outside of like some TikTok and real stuff, I've put out one YouTube video in the last year. And I think it was super beneficial for me just to have like a creative reset. But also I have this idea that like your Rolodex and the people in your contacts are so critical to the future. And the more you can do to provide value to people that are significantly further along than you are, um, will kind of uh, create this exponential growth at speeds you can't generate just by like showing up and doing regular work every day. Mm. You kind of need these like 
uh, these like forks in the road that can can really shoot you forward. And so after working with Gary and doing the Adobe thing, um, I was like, I've never really worked with someone who's like more on the entertainment side and who's a a more like proper celebrity, you know, versus like Gary's like become very famous, but he's known for like being like this digital online guy. Um, and so it just felt really natural. I was like, this will be a really good relationship uh, to kind of build a body of work with. We also had this cool thing where like Hassan had a YouTube channel with a million subscribers and like no videos on it. That's Which crazy. was like kind of a whole other weird thing. So I was like, oh, I get to help build something that's established, but there's not like a visual identity attached to it yet. And so, yeah, it's been a really great year. Like I'm really happy with the decision and, and I think that it will... Uh, Whenever it's it comes time to like get back in the lane of putting out my own stuff, I will be significantly more uh, adapted. You'll be it. refreshed. You'll be yeah, ready to yeah, rock yeah. and roll, ready to take that. Did you tell your audience on YouTube or social that you were taking a significant break? Um, no, no. Have people? I'm sure you've gotten a ton of messages from people being like, "Yo, where are you at?" Yeah, yeah. I get tons of stuff. It's actually it's funny. There's there's a couple versions of it there's sometimes people will reach out and be like yo i, I just want to make sure like you're good like everything's like cool i have some people that are like super aggressively like angry about it um that is so interesting i don't know i, I so i have this screenshot saved in my phone of this comment that i got like uh almost uh, maybe like seven or eight months ago and someone just commented uh hey bro just letting you know i'm unfollowing you hope you get back on track one day and i was like all right well, that stings. But how do you know I'm off track? Like, yeah. I'm grinding. I'm, I'm worried. I was I'm like, on I'm, the train, baby. I'm, You're not I'm on the train. Going. <laughs> right? And so it's it's weird. Like, I really made a point. I didn't want to to post, like, this big dramatic thing and be like, I'm taking a break from social and then come back a week later. I was like, I know what the break is for. I know why I'm stepping away. So I'm going to do that. Um, and, like, the, the real ones will stick around and, and like, want to, like, follow, even if I'm trying to stay really under the radar right now. And anyone who is going to be, like, you're off track, I'm unfollowing, they weren't here to stick around for the long term anyway. I like that. I've been around. I stuck around. I appreciate that, bro. Of course. <laughs> also, like, I think there's this assumption that, like, to be a creator or, like, a creative individual, you have to you have to like have a big following and like be very present socially. But there's so many like DPs and photographers that like, we will never, yeah, we'll never see them we, on social. We'll never see them on social and we'll never be as good as they are. Right. And like, totally. but like they don't need to like post all the time. And so like, that's why I'm like, you'll just focus on craft. Like I just want to focus on craft right just now. Focus on getting better at yeah. this game. And then, like, that way you can pop up onto social whenever you want and, like, you're good. But there's very few times where I think people fully step away and, like, I just want to become the best at what I'm doing. I think that's so important. What yeah. What is it right now? Okay, because you do so many different things. Yeah. What is it specifically in this time that you've taken off that you're, like, what is the one avenue that you are trying to become the best at or trying to work on the most at being the best at cinematography cinematography yeah mm. i want like every picture and video i take to look like it's coming out of a movie i love that yeah and then take that and figure out how to like youtube storytell around it there's this idea that i always kind of think about i'm like if a vlog was going to be on netflix what would that look like that's what i want to make i like that yeah. i love that that's really cool. Do you have people, like, who are some of your inspirations that you look at and be like, fucking that cinematographer is, like, who I strive to be like or who I get inspired seeing their work? I'll be super honest. I have no idea. So mm. I, like, go through uh, Pinterest and there's this really cool app called Shot Deck, which is essentially, Shot Deck is basically Pinterest, but it's just, like, frames from movies. Um, and I'll collect lots of inspiration through there, but I actually very rarely know who the cinematographer behind it is. And I'm kind of okay with that. Like, I sort of like everything being a mystery and I never, I just don't want to put anyone on, on a pedestal, be like, mm. oh, that's the person mm -hmm. I need to be, you know? Cause you're trying to, yeah, you're trying to make your own. Lane. I just want to, I just want to be me, you mm -hmm. know? I think it's so easy. And it's why like, I've stopped watching so many people that are like in my niche, like other YouTubers and stuff. Cause I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm just subconsciously picking up what they're doing and like it's influencing the work so much more than what I want it to. Yeah. I think if you are consuming somebody's not only just like content, but even just like spending time around someone, for mm -hmm. example, I've picked up so many of fucking Braden's stupid lingo that he talks about. <laughs> and so lingo. now I talk just like Braden. Yeah. <laughs> I'm basically trying to become Braden. Um, but yeah, no, it's like you get, you get 
I think there's a difference between like getting inspired by someone and borderline trying to like copy them, but almost like without even knowing you're doing yeah. it. You kind of yeah. just like subconsciously start to like integrate their style into yours just because you're inspired by it, but you end up trying to make like a copy of what they've made and it's yeah. not as good because it's they've already done it and it's natural to them. That's literally like the Casey Neistat. He made like a course or whatever, right? Yeah. And we saw like some mm-hmm. guy had posted like a TikTok or something talking or a YouTube video and he was like, yeah, I took the course and he showed it, he made a video and he goes, looks just like every Casey Neistat video. And yeah. he's like, I messed this up. Like I, I didn't, I didn't get what I was supposed to get out of it. I'm literally yeah. making videos that look just like his. So I think you're so right about. Yeah. I, I think that it's just like reps. Like mm-hmm. I, so much, so many people like will DM me and be like, how do I get started? How do I get better? What do I do? And I'm like, it's reps. Don't look at anything. Go outside and make videos every day. Mm-hmm. Like just put it in. But I have a question. Like, so you're you're making the joke about like you're talking like Brayden. How has it influenced all of your work? Because in this house, you have three full time video creators. Do you think it's made you guys better or worse? It's made me ten times better personally. Yeah, yeah. I think before I lived here, I was in my I was in my with my mom, and my dad, and I was in like my high school room with all this fucking wrestling medals type shit around me. It wasn't mm-hmm. like create. It wasn't like a creative space. And when we moved out here. I was so much more fired up every day when I wake up to like make something because they push me to be better. Yeah. And having this podcast specifically has given me so much more motivation as a creative because I'm like, dude, when we get a message about the fucking pod, I do a backflip. Like I'm just, this is the craziest thing to like that yeah. someone else. I had a phone call two days ago. Like I'll just randomly call people on the DMs because I yeah. think it's fun. Just like yeah. randomly to see if they pick up. Right. And this kid was like, you know, this is paving the way for me as a creative. And I was like, that's why we made it. So yeah. that's super cool yeah, to yeah. hear that, you know, no, no matter how many people listen or tune in, it's like we made this because we wanted to fucking make it. And I wanted this for myself five, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's now that for other people. Yeah. So it, it's it's been living with the two of them has made in the stuff we get to work on together. The things that we have gotten to work on, the mm-hmm. three of us, it's like. You just get the all star squad because we're all we're always here and we're always you're working on music. I'm shooting basketball. He's shooting the the best cars and whatever. You know, it's mm-hmm. just it's so cool to be inspired by those that you live around and see. Like, dude, I I think you've grown as a fucking creator times ten since I met you. 100%. You know, you were only doing real estate stuff yeah. when I met you, and now you're shooting for like some of the biggest DJs in the world, and it's just really cool to see how much better we've all gotten living together. What do you think? I think it's. I think what you're trying to say <laughs> what is if he like, was like. I think you've gotten I, I think, so I think, much I worse. Think you no, 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 no. <laughs> you're not good. No, I think we've all improved tremendously. We all like inspire each other. I don't think that we necessarily um, kind of copy each other's yeah. style because yeah, we're all we're shooting so, different stuff. And we're so like, di- we are yeah. so different yeah. though. The st- Chase's style is very unique in its own it's like mm-hmm. it's, it's like its own little thing same with yours and same with mine i think they're so different yeah so i think that it's not necessarily that like we're taking pieces from each other's work more so than just like it's really nice to have people that you can talk to about stuff mm-hmm. and get inspired by and like yeah. makes you want to go harder at and like yeah specifically this podcast is something that i think all three of us have just become super like passionate about and getting messages about it is like cooler than getting messages about like anything yeah. else because it's uh i listen to certain podcasts and i know how much of like a connection i feel like i have with those people yeah, yeah, yeah. you just feel like you have a deeper connection <clears throat> with those people than like somebody that posts a tiktok or like you see a cool photo on instagram and you yeah. get help if we're if yeah. i was making something mm-hmm. this is so easy and yes, was so yes. much more difficult when i was living alone it's like oh is this shot in focus like yeah i could be like Kosas, come in my room and tell me like how this yeah, looks yeah, you yeah. know like whatever so i think that's been that's been really nice and i'm just excited i'm just excited yeah and Bra- really cool. yeah brain keeps me super accountable he, he this guy's got some of the craziest work ethic i've ever seen and like it's made me like want to step up my game because i'm like i gotta get to fucking Braden's level like i'm not working fucking hard enough yeah, yeah which is great yeah that's really cool yeah i'm, I'm envious of that because like and i think we we've talked about this before but like i'm at a place where with so much travel and everything 
I actually have like very few creative friends around me that are in uh, like photo video space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have to do a lot of those like conversations and stuff by myself. Like, yes, I have, uh, you know, Hassan and, and different people around me that are very much creatives and can like I can get feedback on. But I miss that so much about like working at Vayner was great because we had like the team of videographers and stuff and we would like stay up late and be at the office and like everyone was like collaborating and stuff versus now like so much of, uh, of my life. I'm like by myself in hotel rooms, just like editing on my laptop. Right. Yeah. And so finding uh, that like creative community can be like so important. And this is one of the first times where I don't feel like I naturally just have it. Mm. And so I'm like, fuck. Yeah. I need people, you know? And I think dude, like that literally is why I called you the other day. I just want, I just was like, I got to check on my boy. Just got to see what the fuck he's up to. And you know, just, just like, I think that's so important to do with, cause dude, I mean, I think that, I can go into like a little shell and not yeah. want to come out and just be like, I'm just going to hang out in the apartment like all day for like weeks on end, especially when you're working on something mm-hmm. or you're burned out doing something. It's so important to just like check in on your, like all your friends, but like your creative buddies, just give them a call and be like, yo, what, you know, how are you doing? How, mm-hmm. what have you been working on? That's dope. I hope you're well. Like yeah. love yeah. you. Bye. Like it's just, I think it promotes like, Mental health will be better all around yeah. and I think you'll make better work and you'll be able to bounce ideas off of people. Like it's super important to just pick up the phone and do yeah. like a five minute conversation. Bada bing. I also think that is the beautiful thing about social media is mm-hmm. like even if you are traveling and maybe you don't have like that in person, mm-hmm. you know, contact with people. It's like you still have the ability to hit somebody up or like, you know, message them on Instagram or like FaceTime them or call them and like chat. And like, you know, that we're always yeah. fucking here. If you yeah. Know. Need to chop yeah. it up a little. It bit. is so funny though, because like I remember the other night whenever you called me, I was like just finishing up on a video, and I had another call in like fifteen minutes, and I was like, I don't know if I can answer this or not, and I was like, fuck it, and so I just picked up an answer, and I was so happy I did. Like I felt so much better getting off the phone. It was great, but like I remember the first instance, I was like, I, I can't do this call right now, and I'm so glad I picked it up though, <laughs> and, it, awesome. and 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 it's so it's fun like hearing you say that, and I'm like, oh yeah, like we got to do more of that. Yeah, it's just it's, it's so important, man. I uh, I have one more question for you. Okay. So I have a few more. I, I, I have one. I have one more. Okay. <laughs> I have a couple more, Brayden. This podcast is not over. <laughs> Babbitt, if you could tell. Were we supposed to turn on the neon light? No, because it breaks okay. every time. Right. And it, the handiest man in all the land is, is it not here. here. I tried <laughs> to fix it. It just didn't work. It did She's not. She's like, no, you've got to do this. this yeah, it just does it instantaneously. <laughs> if you could go back yeah. to the kid that was about to move across the country to New York, I want to know what you would tell him. And, you know, what, if you could just say one piece of advice to that person, what would that be? What would that look like? Everything's going to take so much longer than you think it is. And that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This like our own path. Yeah. And I think especially right now, like everyone, everyone's just trying to be a crypto millionaire and have a Lambo tomorrow. And it's like, nah, like it's probably not going to happen. It'll happen for a few people. And like those people will be really loud and it'll feel like it's happening to everyone, but it's not like, it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be lonely nights, long nights. Um, Things are going to go really, really wrong. Like success is not a, a, a constant trending upward thing. Like there's going to be dips and and falls and things like that. So just like stay the course. I love that. Yeah. Okay. My question is you're on tour. Mm-hmm. I also shoot photo video. You're doing photo video. How the fuck do you choose when to shoot what? It's <laughs> <laughs> um, a good question. I don't have an answer for you. Uh, have lots of cameras and switch and have one in each hand just going all the time. Um, you I double shoot and you're going yeah, sometimes. You're dual sometimes. wielding. I do have the benefit of like, you know, your shows are probably like, there's a lot more variety of things that are happening and like moments you can capture versus sure. like Hassan, it's the same show for the most part. Every night, like little things will change. And since we do two shows, a lot of times I'll be like, okay, 7 p.m. show, I'm just shooting, just shooting photos. Mm. 10 p.m. show, I'm just shooting video. That's cool. nice. And that way they can kind of mm-hmm. like all cut together pretty well. I wish I had a better answer for no, you. No, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> uh, speaking, like staying on this course, you recently switched to Sony or you Unbe- picked up another Unbe- Sony. It's the, Unbe- it's the first time it's going public. Unbelievable. A, cu- a couple days ago, I, uh, I was with Hassan and I just like filmed an Instagram story on the back of my camera and I got flooded like it was you couldn't even see anything except for like the s at the front so many people were like did you switch to sony (laughs) and i just didn't respond to any of them i was like i don't i'm scared you know (laughs) um yes uh, i just recently switched to sony 
and and why is that? Uh, so and how do you like Sony versus Canon? <laughs> <laughs> um, I had been thinking about it a lot because I was becoming much more of a of a video first person, other than photo and Canon gear, especially all the Canon gear I was using was a little bit more photo focused. Um, but then a lot of people were hitting me up to just come shoot uh, shows. Um, whenever we were like in different towns and like three shows in a row, people came out with Sony's and I was like, why does their video look so much better? (laughs) And a lot of it is just the, the low light ability, especially like the A7S three has the dual native ISO. Mm -hmm. So you can go to like 12,000 ISO or something like 12,800 on any Canon looks like just terrible. It's so bad. It's unusable. Yeah. I mean, it's just garbage. And so that was kind of, um, after like two or three people had like come and I had just seen how good the low light was. I was like, yeah, this is, this has just got to happen. Yeah. So I built out like an A7S three like cinema rig, like monitors, handles, all that stuff. And it's been a blast. Nice. Yeah. Okay. What is the coolest thing? Chase wants to know this. Okay. What's the craziest like experience you've had on tour or just being around Hassan? I don't know if you saw this. I saw this. The Jimmy Fallon moment yeah. is epic. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. Cool. Is yeah, that yeah, out yeah, there? Yeah. yeah honestly, that's it. that's probably it. And there's probably other ones that I, I can't think of at the top of my head. That one was really cool, though. Um, you know, it was funny because we went to The Tonight Show, and I don't know how much I was supposed to be filming and how much I wasn't supposed to be filming. Because after that moment happened, like, someone from Jimmy's team came in, and they were like, were you filming when he was in here? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, Okay. And there's like walked out and I was like, I don't know if the, if I was or wasn't supposed to be doing it. Um, but the fact that, uh, that Jimmy was just like immediately like wanted to start a conversation with me and just like came up with this Tyler, the creator thing off the top of his head, uh, was like one of the most iconic moments, like in photo video altogether. That's yeah. awesome. That's that was great. really fun. That's it. We're going to have to pull the clip. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to cut that. That's awesome. Well, dude, thanks for coming on, man. I'm so excited to see like once this tour wraps up where you go as a creative because i'm constantly seeing your work and constantly like inspired by it i think you're one of the coolest creatives that i know personally so just want to say thanks for coming on yeah hey. yeah where can the people find you i don't know man just if you search babin anywhere it'll, it'll come up it'll pop up yeah well, apparently, I'm, apparently i'm ending all these channels and starting yeah, new ones yeah, who he's, knows he's, man he's, he's, yeah, i might be on last episode this, of this podcast after the, after the 505 <laughs> podcast everything changed ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for tuning in to episode 25 if you're still here, please take a screenshot, lob it up on the story, tag Babin, tag Kosas G, tag B Figgy, and we'll see you guys all next Wednesday. Peace. Peace.